Heavenly Father, we thank you that you can um, work in everybody's life in an individual way through your Holy Spirit and that you're going to do that this morning. God, I trust you have good in store for every single one of us right here today. And so we set ourselves at the feet of Jesus. We want to each one of us hear from you. Trust you have good to share with us. God, as we look at the gospel and the good news and how it applies to our life right now, and the steps that we can be taking as we head off into, into fall here, as we think about issues and all of the stuff that is going around, around, on around us in our lives and in the world, we know that your gospel applies and gives us good to walk in as we go along here. So Lord, help us to hear Pray you would be speaking, not me this morning, you would be speaking into our hearts. And as we, as we do baptisms later, and this step of, of faith, of public proclamation, of a couple of people who have uh, placed their trust in you as their Savior, and made you the Lord of their life, Lord, we want to rejoice together. We look forward to doing that later. Bless our time this morning, in Jesus' name, amen. So, a lot of you probably thinking, woke up this morning like me, and you uh, maybe you clicked onto Facebook or the news or something, and 15 years ago today, any of you probably remember where you were and what you were doing, and this is a monumental day in the history of our country and even of our lives, and so we remember that. We think about that as a day of bad news, and so... In contrast to that, we're going to talk about good news today. I think sometimes good we forget that good news has the ability to overpower bad news. I think of in my own life of this uh, this holiday, so to speak, not a holiday, a day of remembrance. As much as we think of the the tragedy of September 11, 2001, I remember um, several years later. I believe 11 years ago today, uh, my brother and his wife got married in New York City, and I was able to be there. And that's a celebration, an occasion, a milestone in my life that begins to cover over that bad news. And then I also think about, my wife reminded me this morning, that 12 years ago today, my family moved to Denver so that we could help start this church. And that is a great milestone. We had one little boy, and we have six, six kids, and it is a milestone. We remember, wow, God was at work, and he was... Uh, he was going to accomplish good things right here in Denver. And so we remember that milestone as well. So we're going to talk some about good news today. We are starting a new series, as you can see on the screen. It's called Life Now. And this series is going to take us all the way through the fall. And I'll talk a little bit more about that later. But here we are starting. And so you see the title of today is The Gospel is for Life Now. The Gospel is for Life Now. And so we're going to talk about how the gospel applies to our life, but I think the first place we really have to start is asking the question, and some of you may be new and you just sort of hear the term gospel thrown around, or you become involved in Christianity and you just hear that term gospel, 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 and so you've got to ask that question, what is the gospel? Nick, it's killing me here. There we go. What is the gospel? What is the gospel? All right. So we got to go to the Greek. I think I'm going to have to point at you. There we go. 
Okay. Excellent. Then I don't need the clicker. I can just say next slide or whatever. All right. So the Greek for gospel comes from this word, and, and I don't really understand Greek. It's Greek to me. So I don't know how you get from evangelion or evangelizo to gospel, but I guess you do. And so these Greek terms that we see in the New Testament, they mean good news. If it's a noun, or it means to bring good news or to announce good news. And so that's what the gospel is. It is good news. And now we think about these evangelion, evangelizo. I wanted to go, we'll go to the next slide. Here's my good news. February 1st of this year, this is Evangeline. Her name means messenger of good news. So there we go, that's how we get there. So we can go to the the next slide. Today, uh, we think about the gospel, we apply it to the New Testament. We get it out of the New Testament, we think, hey, the gospel is the central message of the Bible. So when we say the gospel, it is the good news, the good news of the Bible. So that's what we're talking about. So what is the good news? What is the good news? Well, I can think of all kinds of good news. Like we talked about, there's bad news. September 1st, September 11th, 2001, it's a day of bad news. But the gospel is good news. And so what is that good news? And so some of you might say, well, here's some ideas. Maybe it's, it's uh, salvation from hell. Or it's a forgiveness of sins. Or it's justification in God's eyes. Although I think probably most of us are like, I don't even know what justification means, right? And so these things here, salvation and forgiveness and justification, these things are part of the good news. But they are not the good news. These things only, only matter if we understand a context. Salvation from hell, but salvation to what? Forgiveness of sins, but why? Justification in God's eyes, for what reward? So the good news is not these things. These things come from the good news, but they are not the good news. So what is the good news? We'll go to the next slide. The good news is the person of Jesus Christ. The good news is the person of Jesus Christ. Now, in the Bible, in the New Testament, we see the apostles as they write, they refer to the gospel. And so I'm going to put this next one up here. Here's several verses. Romans 15, 19, I have fully proclaimed the gospel of Christ. 1 Corinthians 9, 12, we put up with anything rather than hinder the gospel of Christ. 2 Corinthians 2, 12, I went to Troas to preach the gospel of Christ. Galatians 1, 7, some people are throwing you into confusion or trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. Philippians 1, 27, whatever happens, conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Do you see the pattern? The gospel is of Christ. And yet it's more than that. It's even more. Ephesians 3.8. We have it here. This grace was given to me to preach to the Gentiles. Oh, he's talking about the gospel. Preach to the Gentiles what? He doesn't say the gospel of Christ. He says the boundless riches of Christ. I don't know about you, but when I hear the term boundless riches, my ears perk up. And I go, that's what I'm interested in. What are the boundless riches that have no end? 
That's like better than winning the lottery because you win the lottery and even those riches have an end. What are the boundless riches of Christ? But we'll talk about that. So this, this is what the gospel is. And the gospel is the person of Jesus Christ. Now what? Now what do we do? So we go to the next slide. The gospel, it's, it's not enough that this Jesus is good news. What do we do? The Bible tells us we have to believe it. Are all familiar with John 3.16? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, Jesus, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. So we have to believe. Jesus himself says you have to believe. Believe in what? What do we have to believe in? Well, I'm going to give you a couple of things. First here, God is holy. The Bible tells us God is holy. Holiness means God is perfect. Absolutely, utterly perfect. It also means that he's pure. It means that there's nothing wrong. There's no error, there's no sin, there's no blemish, there's nothing wrong with God. He is pure. And we also know that he is just. And that's really appealing to me because I look out in the world and I see a lot of injustice. Injustice is a big topic, isn't it? Even right here in our town where a football player won't stand up for the national anthem because he sees there's injustice in the world. Whatever about that, God is just. And so God is holy. He is perfect. He is pure. And he is just. And so we have to believe that. That's part of the good news. And the second part here is he says, is the reality that I am sinful. God is the opposite of sinful. I am sinful. Utterly sinful, hopelessly sinful. The older I get, the more and more I realize just how utterly and hopelessly sinful I am apart from Christ. Amen? Romans 3.23 says, All have sinned and fall short. Every single one of us falls short of God's standard, God's perfect holiness, God's purity. We fall short of it. And because he's just, there's a penalty for us to pay. And yet that brings us to the third point, which is that Jesus, ah, here we are at the person of Jesus. Jesus took my place. He didn't take our place. He took my place. He took your place. He took your place. He lived a sinless life. Jesus was God. He lived a sinless life. I certainly haven't done that. None of us have done that. But Jesus did it. And then at the end, he died painfully as a substitution. He took my place. That penalty, that justice that was due to me, he took my place. And in the end, he satisfied God's justice. And so we have to believe this. And so now that we have those things, then what? It leads us to the fourth thing, which is that I can receive this as a free gift. It's not an automatic thing that everybody just kind of gets and everybody's really happy. I have to receive it. The Bible tells us you have to receive it. Well, how do I receive it? Do I receive it by doing good stuff? No. Jesus didn't say that in John 3.16. He didn't say, whoever does good works will not perish but have eternal life. He says, whoever believes will not perish, 
but have eternal life. And so we receive this free gift by belief. And so we go back to those things we said before, saved from hell, saved to what? We're saved to eternal life. Saved from eternal punishment into eternal life. We're forgiven. We're forgiven of my sins. Why? So that I can have right relationship with God. Justified. For what? To be in a right standing with the creator of the universe. And so that gets us the gospel. And so what is the purpose of the gospel? And so I wrote this. The purpose of the gospel. This is my summation. And maybe you agree with this. Or maybe there's other aspects. And God is really big. And there's lots of different things we can say about it. But here's my summary right here. The purpose of the gospel is to have an increasingly intimate relationship. Increasingly intimate relationship with the creator of the universe. God. My kids have been studying about outer space in school. When you begin to understand how big the universe is, and you go, oh, I get to know intimately the guy who made that? Well, that's incredible. So as I have this intimate relationship, it's one which leads me into a greater and greater joy. Man, that's something we're all striving for, isn't it? Joy? How? As I live in freedom, able to relate to God out of love and not out of self-promotion. Out of love and not self-promotion. Bringing good to myself and others in life and ultimately spending eternity in his presence in heaven. And so that's the purpose of the gospel. And if the gospel is Jesus, that is Jesus' purpose to bring us that Go to the next slide, Ephesians 3, 17-19. Paul says this, I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people. And here's the key. To grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. To know this love that surpasses knowledge is that you may be filled to the measure of all fullness of God. The gospel is such good news because we get to know the person of Jesus. Talk about boundless riches. How wide and long and high and deep. How wide and long and high and deep is it? It's boundless. And we get to know it. And as we get to go through life, we get to know him more. And then we're going to get to go into eternity. And we're going to know him more and more and more. If we've placed our trust in him and if we believe him. And so if it is all about knowing Jesus, go to the next slide. How do I receive the gospel? That's great, that's the gospel, and you say, I have to believe, well, how do I receive it? Well, we like to throw these kind of three words around, repent, believe, and confess. What do these mean? They're very simple. Repent means, I recognize that, yeah, I am sinful, and God is perfect, and I'm going to turn from trying to get myself to God through my own works. Believe means exactly what we've just been talking about, this good news, I believe it. I believe these things about God and about Jesus and what he's done. And then I confess. I say, yes, I receive the free gift. Somebody gives you a free gift and you don't ever really take it. It's not really a gift. You have to receive it. And that's part of the process of receiving it is to confess and say that you have. And so right here I have on the screen a sample prayer. And maybe some of you have never prayed this prayer before. 
And it's not about the prayer. It's about what's going on in your heart. And maybe what's going on in your heart is you're saying, I need to be right with God. I want to have a right relationship. I want to get to know Jesus. I want to learn the boundless riches of Jesus. And so you could do this. And right now, if you want to, you could just pray this prayer right where you're at and say, Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I am a sinner and I need your forgiveness. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins and rose from the grave. I now invite you to come into my heart and life as my Lord and Savior in Jesus' name. Amen. And so if you've done that, if you did that now, if you've done that in the past, you have received the free gift of salvation. And you are right with God, and you get to spend eternity in His presence. And so now what? How do I go about owning the gospel? I got to live this life. I got to go closer to Jesus. There's these boundless riches of Jesus, and I want to get to know them. How do I do that? Well, the answer is very simple become a disciple. It's a simple, ample answer. But it's not a simple process. Some of you may know Pat Sokol, and I paraphrased a quote he said once. He said, it is easy to be saved, but difficult to be a disciple. Amen. It is difficult, but that doesn't mean it's impossible. It doesn't mean you have to be perfect. It's not a works righteousness thing. So how do I become a disciple? Well, one of the first steps is baptism. Baptism, again, it doesn't get you right with God. It doesn't get you closer to God. It doesn't make you right in his own eyes. Because if that was the case, you'd be doing it for yourself. But it's a way of standing up. And we're going to have two people who are going to come up here in a little bit. Who are going to stand up and do this today. And be baptized. And it's their public proclamation. That they have received the gospel. And so it is a first step. It's a declaration of public faith. It is an act of obedience to Jesus He says be baptized so that you can make that a public proclamation. And so we do that. Now some of you may have said, well that prayer we just prayed and that getting right with God and receiving the gospel, I did that a long time ago, but I've never been baptized. Well you know that's okay. Again, it's not a a self-righteous or a works-righteous thing, but we would love to have you take that opportunity here. And so not today because there's a lot of logistics in that, but in the very near future, if you want to be baptized, if you've never been baptized, but you have made this choice in your heart, we would love to give you the opportunity, just like these two are going to today, to stand up and be baptized and declare to this church and to the world that you have placed your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ. Another thing you can do to become a disciple, you can read, you can pray, you can give, you can serve. I so appreciate Pat sharing this morning about how he read. Pat loves Jesus. And so he reads the Bible. And then he shared it with you. And we pray. And we serve. We serve one another. And we give sacrificially and generously. And we do these things not because we get gold stars. We chuckle about memory madness back there. And you get a gold star when you get a verse. But God doesn't have a chart of gold stars checking whether you've done things or not and he totals them up at the end. We do these things because we love him and we're in freedom. And why? Because we want to know and worship Jesus and the boundless riches that he has to offer us in this life. 
Another thing we can do is be committed to God's people by joining in spiritual fellowship, which the Bible tells us is the church. Hebrews 10, 24, and 25 talks about not giving up meeting together. Some of you who are in our Inspire group, we talked about this at length on Tuesday. Gathering together as a family gives us the opportunity together to go after Jesus and his boundless riches. And now I think on this topic, just one sort of side note, I know there are times in life where we go, I am just, I feel kind of burnt out and I feel kind of disconnected and I feel like I'm not really, this is a really hard one to do. I understand, but my encouragement to you, if you feel burned out or you feel disconnected, is start by looking at your heart. Are you going after Jesus and his boundless riches? Or are you trying to connect with other people because you think it's the thing you ought to do? Or you think that God would be more pleased with you if you do that? Or if it's just the kind of the thing that you've always done for all the time? I would encourage you to join spiritual fellowship because you want to go after Jesus. You want to understand his boundless riches. Okay, so we go to the next slide. Where do I apply the gospel? To my life now. Where do I apply it? See, we could talk about those things and discipleship and walking, but you know, there's a lot of things going on in our life and issues and topics. And the gospel is so amazing that it gets to apply to all of these things. Some of these things I have them here on the screen. The first one, work. I can apply the gospel to my work and my job and my career. Or it's not a career, it's just the things I work every day. Cleaning my house or whatever it is I'm doing. I can apply the gospel there and have a balance of the gospel in those things. Another thing is parenting. We're going to have that parenting conference here in the next two weeks. We're going to talk in this Life Now series on Sunday morning about how the gospel applies in parenting. Now some of you are probably going, well, I don't have any children. I'm not even married, some of you singles might say. Guess what? There are principles that apply to you that you can apply wherever you're at as we talk about parenting. And ultimately, even if you're not parenting or maybe you never will be parenting, you're part of a church family where people are parenting. As we look at those principles, you'll know what other people are trying to walk through. Same to parenting. So we're going to talk about that here for the next couple of weeks leading up to that conference. Another thing that we have here is our finances. Talk about boundless riches. It's like the opposite of boundless riches. It's like limited riches, right? It's what I have in my finances and how do I carry these money issues. And of course we offer a Tuesday night gospel group called Money Wise and Walking Through Financial Peace University classes. But our finances are very important. A lot of people say, ooh, don't, don't talk about money. But as a church, we talk about money. And so in a few more weeks after we do parenting, we're going to have a, a series on finances and some principles of how does the gospel apply to the limited riches, the limited things that I have in this life. Another thing that applies particularly in this season is political issues. Sometimes I think it's even as much about political discourse as it is about the issues. And how do we talk to one another about this? And how do we come to these conclusions and take the gospel and walk it out to a place where we go, I am confident before God that I I have the right position in my heart and yet I see someone else who has walked it down and maybe they started from the same place. And how do I have this unity 
And so we're going to talk about those things in November, in uh, October, in November, leading up to the election. And the last thing here is church life, and how do we how do we live in a balance of grace and truth and connect and not be burned out? So we're going to tackle some of these issues here this fall from a gospel perspective. And so that's where we're going. And so for the rest of the time today, we're going to um, we're going to do these baptisms.